the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KOMA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Robin Ed with you this Tuesday afternoon. And happy to welcome to the program from the 9th Legislative District, Representative Mary Dye. Good afternoon to you, Representative Dye. How are you managing through all this? Everybody safe and healthy at home? Oh, yeah, and it's beautiful out there. I am very happy that we are able to have such good weather to go out in the yard and do some yard work. And and, and you've got a lot of yard to do I some do. work. Uh-huh. So we, I imagine... We've already social distanced. Our nearest neighbor's three miles. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's start off talking about this really cool event tomorrow. Uh, happening in Ritzville, where the Washington potato growers are going to turn around and take a bunch of of product, a bunch of crop, and turn it back to the community to help people in need. They are. Um, they they want to give back, and and the thing is, is I think they're paying it forward. They're doing this at their own expense, you know. And and the potato industry has been severely impacted by the shutdown, and you know the food. Um, the restaurants and things that have been closed, uh, they take about 90% of the beautiful fresh frozen potatoes they make into um, those those things that we really love to eat out. I'm a little longing for some of that. But anyway, um, so they, they, have, uh, they, they need to get some product moved, and they don't want to have good, good potatoes go to waste, and so they've pulled open their bins and their donating some food to the local community. And the interesting thing is that they really wanted to have it go out to the rural communities to recognize that people are really struggling out there as well. Um, people have gone for a few weeks without paychecks, and and uh, pantries go bare, and it's nice to be able to do something nice for the local community. We're talking with Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District. And this also serves another purpose because, look, we know there's a lot of farmers out there that are faced with turning crop over, either burying it, destroying it, doing away with it. This gives them an opportunity to put that crop to even better use, and that is to families that are in need. Right. And I think that it's to, you know, it really illustrates how complex our food system is and how integrated it is. So when you shut down the... um, the the buyer you know then everything backs up right to the farm gate you know you can't processing facilities become um surplus you know you've got too many potatoes in the freezer you don't have any place to go with it so you stop processing it but even more importantly this is planting season this is prime time planting season and you know the economists in the industry are feeling like the the global slowdown is going to really impact it and they pulled back because of the surpluses that have backed up against the farm gate they pulled back and they're they're uh, saying you know we're concerned about a global slowdown into next year, and they just cut the amount of acres. 
pulled their contracts back and started rethinking. And so a lot of these guys are sitting out there with their their fields prepared. Everything's ready to plant. They've already bought their seed um, potatoes that haven't been treated yet. They're just sitting in warehouses with no place to go. And those are beautiful potatoes that can be provide some food. And so we're looking at ways that we can get those out and pay it forward. This is products that that the farmers have already purchased and at their own loss they're they're taking they're doing a, an act of generosity at their at their own cost when they're really hurting too and putting it out there and asking people that receive these some of these potatoes in the uh, as we move forward trying to get some of these um, potatoes used up um, we're asking people to take them enjoy them but also just plant a few in their yard or garden and and uh, when they harvest next fall you know give to their neighbors if they have extra uh, potatoes that they've grown even if they have a couple of patio pots you know, do that and pay it forward so that it's a gift that keeps giving and that people will, um, you know, realize that we all are in it together. We're all struggling and trying to find ways and that the farmers in our communities really do not want to have people who are struggling and trying to meet their food needs for their family and then to see us not be able to utilize it. It's stuck up in the farm and not able to get it out to people that can really use it. So this is just a way for us in a small way to contribute to others and share and do something right. Um, We hope that it's a way to pay it forward that that people know that we're very sensitive to what's going on. We're also struggling. There's lots of farmers out there that because of this um, slowdown, they're wondering how they're going to pull it through and, and be viable when we're able to get going again. But this is a symbol to the to the community and to the world that, hey, we're doing this, um, and hopefully – this signals that there's going to be better days ahead. It's the idea of having an open hand and expecting that this is going to be a good thing to give to people and that it signals that, yes, America's strong and people are generous and kind and good-hearted, and we're, we're expecting better days ahead real soon. We're talking with Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District here on the bottom line. So what's the location and what's the time that everything kicks off tomorrow? So we're kicking off tomorrow in Ritzville. We've had to move to a, a bigger a bigger lot for social distancing. So it's on uh, First Avenue in Ritzville. It's that second big exit, um, and you come into town, and it will be in a big lot just before you get to the Harvest Foods. And you'll see a truck will start up and start loading about 9. It's going to take us a bit of time to get set up. But 9 a.m. we'll be there. Um, I have to say that... This uh, donation from the farmers, they went the extra mile and they packed up uh, 20 ton uh, for tomorrow of some of the most beautiful potatoes you've ever seen. They washed them and bagged them and they're there. Um, We've got some uh, food banks coming to take boxes out to Colfax and to Clarkston and to Pomeroy. And then we've got um, just, uh, they're sacked in 20 pound bags and People can just tell us how many they want, and we've got volunteers there that can load their um, truck or their car or load into their pickup, and, and they can take these potatoes home and enjoy them. And the ones that we're donating tomorrow are uh, potatoes that would have gone to market 
if things were open, and we hope that things open soon. They're, uh, they, will, they have some shelf life to them, but they're big, they're beautiful. I saw a picture of them today, and they, they're literally those big, beautiful potatoes that you would see at Costco. It's first-rate, beautiful, and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude to the generosity of these farmers when they themselves are really struggling and wondering how it's going to be for them not being able to produce a potato crop this year not being able to plant and it's just something that we need to think about and worry a little bit i think that the bigger issue for me personally is you know when you disrupt the food system like this what about we are planting for the 2021 year you know and i worry about those shortages when we see you know big meat packing facilities we've consolidated a lot of that in the industry and and you see that the um, those bigger plants in South Dakota and such that are having a problem with their workforce getting ill and then having to shut down and seeing those shortages on the shelves, I think it makes us all a little uneasy. And I really I'm hopeful that the governor will see the longer picture that these disruptions are playing into the supply chain of our food, and it it's not sustainable for any length of time and that we have to be prudent and open up some of these systems so that our our food can get out there and get back into the marketplace and and rebolster the ag economy but also the food economy and the food systems and we can't keep going this way and and it's going to break a lot of of people if we do that and our food supply is at risk We're talking with Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District here on the bottom line Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Representative Dye, we've been discussing on this program uh, what the next steps will be uh, as far as uh, the governor's stay-home order. He is starting to relax some things, not many, but some things. What is an area that you think is uh, the most vital that that he should strongly consider uh, reopening to you know, for the state in this next um, announcement that may come by the end of this week, I think he needs to immediately reopen for um, elective um, procedure surgeries in our hospital system, especially on this side of the state. You know, we didn't have a big surge, and uh, some of our hospitals, even if it were a trial to let Pullman. Uh, hospital open. They've had cases there, but no cases have been hospitalized, and they haven't had a single COVID, and they've shut down their entire system. And they are there are people who have significant health issues that we are um, we are not treating. You know, the the infant with ear infections that should have a little stint or something, and they've had to wait for these weeks. And a colicky baby, you know how difficult that is when a little baby is in in pain. And then the you know just like people with with that had a biopsy and are are need uh, cancer care. You know, those are very important things not to delay. And and so while they call them elective they're not truly elective your health is at risk when you delay those treatments that have been found to be important i'd love to see them open up pullman as a trial they have i mean it's a low 
uh, propensity COVID area, and I just would really love to see them open up these hospitals, our rural um, our rural uh, hospitals are really struggling. They were before the virus and losing that uh, those services and cutting down their ability to stay financially viable will threaten the ability of our healthcare system to respond should COVID um, have more incidents in the fall. Well, you mentioned Pullman. Uh, Washington State University says that they are going to plan right now to reopen in the fall uh, with uh, regular in-person classrooms. I think University of Washington and some of the bigger schools are going that route, probably because they have the room to do so. But some of the smaller universities and community colleges and places like that that don't have the room uh, to do that are most likely going to have to continue that social distance learning in the fall. Yeah, that's a an interesting conundrum, and I'm so glad to hear the the news that they are going to open. I think that that um, university experience and being on campus and being able to directly interact with your professors is great, and it'll be great for Pullman. And I just I feel like we need to really strengthen their healthcare system. Obviously, there'll be the normal cold and flu season as it is, and and they need to be there for the the students as well as the people in Pullman. I think it's a great opportunity to show that the, well and as you know, you know the healthcare system is set up to respond to infectious diseases. They have protocols from nursing and and, and doctor school, you know that they learn how to manage infectious disease and germ control and all of that. So they're experienced professionals and I'm confident that they can can work sooner than later to um, start going back to providing a, a broader range of health care for the people in the community. It's really, I think it, the health of our communities is being impacted by not being able to access care now. Uh, we're talking with Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District here on The Bottom Line. So, Representative Dye, here's a $64,000 question. We know that some of we know the first wave of proclamations from the governor are set to expire on May 4th. Um, most of us think maybe somewhere between 85 and 90 percent of businesses could reopen in some safe fashion using social distancing and putting other precautions in place. It may not be a full reopening for that business, but enough that they would be able to restart their businesses and also be a contributor to the economy, which is what we're all hoping to turn around here. If if on May 4th, or let's say this Friday, to be fair, May 1st, if on May 1st the governor does not announce some type of relaxing and he wants to try and get an extension on these first wave of proclamations, we know he'll need the four corners to sign off to do so. Do you anticipate um, a non-resisted signing by Representative Wilcox and Senator Schessler? And if that's the case where they do not agree to sign off, do you anticipate a special session being called for the governor to get the entire body to sign off on extending? You know, I don't have any visibility into that, and I can't be in the mind of either of those leaders. But I do know the constituents out here will be very upset. And um, I've been receiving calls from small business people from all over our district, and it's heartbreaking as you hear 
you know, there was a lot of money appropriated out there at the federal level. The money doesn't get, you know, out through these um, kind of lumbering federal programs are not the most um, easy to work. And I just can't imagine how unhappy that will make the citizens of this state. Um, you know, I think we have so much more knowledge about the, the people that are impacted. I think people want the governor to use the data that we now have on it and really focus on the most vulnerable and let a lot of us get back to work to, you know, recover a lot of the losses at some level. And, you know, I do think that um, many uh, minds are better than one. And I trust that our local business people can make prudent decisions. We've had a lot of information about the the COVID virus and how to protect people. And I'm really confident that people don't want to affect each other and there will be levels of caution that people will choose, but letting people make those um, thoughtful decisions and plan, plan on how they want to do that for their customers and their companies, I think it makes more sense to just really let people have more access to uh, make those decisions instead of having it be uh, another shut, uh, another week or more, or month or more of shutdown. I don't think that's going to go well with the citizens I serve. Now, Representative Di, I want to ask you as well. I mean, obviously, you've you've been in conversations. The the, the bodies, the caucuses have talked. Um, is there any inclination? Because we're we're hearing that there could be a press conference Friday. Is there any inclination that the governor is leaning towards possibly? reopening some things based on yesterday's announcement, small things, outdoor golf, but knowing that we're getting to to kind of a dire situation, is there any scuttle at all that he may consider relaxing some elements of the economy? Well, the only scuttle I can tell you if it is any is that there's been a, a Four Corners task force put together seeking, you know, ideas from different um, industry, industry groups across the entire spectrum of the economy and putting in suggestions and developing with trade organizations best practices and putting together comprehensive proposals. And it started with um, residential and um, commercial construction that they, the construction industry worked together with the building trades unions and concrafted a policy and plan that was very comprehensive to protect their workers, to protect their clients, and get back to work. And that was the first one that the governor accepted and has allowed that to move forward, thankfully. But it took a while before we were able to work even that most logical thing through the governor to get him to accept the risk that these folks in the building trades, residential construction, have the capacity to protect from the coronavirus while they're on the job site and and work with appropriate social distancing. Then we had been working very hard to look at fishing and outdoor recreation. We're the only state in the nation 
that shut down fishing and hunting. And so I think that that was a reasonable thing. One of the um, one of the logical things to me is golf because you don't have to have the the clubhouse and the and the you know all of those things open. You can work outside and and uh, do social distancing, and it's just so needed to get outside in this beautiful weather and and get some exercise to stay healthy and keep our minds fresh and and uh, so he allowed that um, and we've been working on different industries through this group and he's slowly but surely as those documents come together with consensus from the industry and the people they serve we're able to get those documents through but it just seems to me like he's very very risk averse on the on the um, virus representative mary died from the ninth legislative district thank you for your time this afternoon we always do appreciate it thanks for sharing us with us the information about uh, the washington potato growers event tomorrow morning and um, we will certainly be in touch. We, we're all crossing our fingers and hoping that Friday is, is the beginning um, for a light at the end of the tunnel. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for um, taking the time with me this afternoon. Always a pleasure. Be safe and be well, you, your family. Um, we'll talk to you soon, Representative Dye. Thanks again. Thank you. Representative Mary Dye from the 9th Legislative District joining us. A lot of information there. And, um, you know, again, if you want to take that drive to Ritzville, Tomorrow, 9 a.m., is when they are beginning um, with the giveaway for the potatoes from the Washington Potato Growers. So uh, if you want to make the drive, take advantage of the opportunity. It's it's certainly, uh, I, I don't think they're going to run out. No, they're going <laughs> to That would be my guess. I, I don't think they're going to run out. So uh, it begins at 9 a.m., and the, uh, the location is going to be uh, next to Harvest Foods at 610 West 1st Avenue in Ritzville, 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, you know, again, it's another way that another uh, another organization, another group is trying to help the community during this time. And hopefully the governor will do the most important thing to help the community and to help the state and to help millions of families, and that is to begin to relax and I understand there will still be some restrictions in place. There will be social distancing. There will be protective gear. There will be all those things. And people can make those things happen. Okay, You can do those things. People can do those things. But he needs to allow people to begin going back to work. We already know that there have been an increase in... There's been negativity involved in this. There have been an increase in suicides. There's been an increase in a number of different things over the course of the last two months. If you, you know, is it 100% all directly attributable? You can't say. But when you see spikes in certain things that are negative, you tend to think that the circumstances in play have to do with what is currently going on in the, in the environment and what is currently going on in society. We don't hear anybody talking about that. Well, we did at the beginning, knowing full well that there was going to be a toll taken Mm -hmm. mental health-wise. We talked to mental health professionals on this program about that, and that was their concern as well. So I think that's one thing that I would would really like to hear, and Austin Jenkins or somebody, Rachel LaCourt, 
Somebody over on the west side asked the governor if he's looked at that data. Has he looked at the data? Has he looked at the toll that this has taken on people that haven't had COVID-19, but other conditions that are impacted by isolation, by quarantine? I, I don't know if he'll address that question, but I think that would be a fantastic question to ask. Five four seven one six ten. We've got to take a timeout. Uh, more of the bottom line on News Radio six ten K O N A. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio six ten K O N A. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509-547-1610. Back on the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 547-1610 is the number. Going right to the phones. Thank you very much for your patience. You're up on the show. What's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Patty, and I'm calling from Richland. What's on your mind, Patty? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I am a pastor at a local church in Canada. Isolation is deadly for recovering addicts and alcoholics because it just old behaviors and I've got people that are having all kinds of depression and anxiety uh, relapse unfortunately I, we've been able to get them back on track uh, we're doing our meetings uh, weekly on Zoom and trying to keep us connected as we can during social distancing but I am very concerned that uh, just what you guys were talking about is, is going to manifest as far as suicide depression and that kind of thing um, if we don't get out of this thing. You know, Patty, I think that there's a lot of people that take for granted human contact and human interaction. And it's one thing to do it over Facebook or, or over Skype or FaceTime or anything like that. But it's another thing to be able to sit across from somebody and feel what's coming off of that other person, feel the emotion that's coming from that person, to be able to look in someone's eyes and actually be able to gauge what the emotion is that you you can't put you can't really put that into into a value or into words absolutely human connection we were we were created for community and connectivity and so it's it's something that even that pretty much everybody i talk to is feeling this at least low level of depression right now Oh, believe me, Patty, uh, you, you're spot on with that. There's no way of saying his butts about it. Appreciate the time you took to give us a call, and uh, and please keep up the good work. Hopefully you see a corner turning in that regard um, in, in your work. 547-1610, here on the bottom line. You can email us, too, uh, by going to the website 610kona.com. Go to the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. Uh, Dean in Kennewick writes, I agree with the doctor you had on earlier. My 91-year-old mother is in a care home that is locked down and suffers from arthritis to the point that there is very little of her hobbies that she can pursue and other things. She says that she has lived much longer than she ever anticipated. She also keeps or says uh, to keep the criminals locked up and let people go back to work, even if she will be a casualty. She would actually welcome that event, and uh, and along with uh, her directive for no tubes in or out, she would uh, forego any type of ventilation. Again, Dean from Kennewick writing. You know, it's... Uh... 
and I'll, I'll I'll tell you honestly, about a week or so ago, after one of the governor's less than less than positive press conferences, I went home, talked to my wife, and she looked at me and she's she's like, "Something's bothering you. What's wrong?" And I looked at her and I said, "I'm not seeing a light yet." And everything that I am hearing from the governor is that this is going to go on indefinitely. And I said to her, we can't do this. We can't go on indefinitely. The The, the frustration that's there of, of not being able to... When you see things that are completely different than what you're being told they are, the frustration sets in. The the, and I don't want to say hopelessness because it it's not to that point. No, but the, hopefully not. No, yeah, hopefully not. But the frustration that builds when you sit there and you you believe you truly believe that things are better than what you're being told because I honestly believe they are. I really believe things are better than what we're being told because we're starting to see that in different corners. Again, not saying that nothing's out there, not saying that there isn't a, a risk out there for, for a percentage of our population, but it's not as bad. It's not this end-of-the-world doomsaying thing that we're being told. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? This is Greg from Richland. What's up, Greg? Well, Robinette, I'm a huge bottom line fan, and my wife's an even bigger fan. I just wanted to say that the six-foot social distancing rule does not have any basis in science. More distance is better. Less is not quite as good, depending on lots of variables like airflow, coughing, sneezing, spittle. Um, and I just have an unscientific observation to back that up. In Canada, the COVID-19 deaths are less than 3,000. But in the U.S., there's been over 58,000. The countries handle their social distancing recommendations differently. Canada says that it should be two meters, but the U.S. says six feet. Appreciate the call, and thank Absolutely, you so much. Greg. And, and tell your wife thank you, too. And, and the original six feet, you, you, you're right. It was not necessarily based on, quote, science. It was based on what some of the original reports that were coming out of China mm. talking about the spittle right, and, and, and about the density of the mucus yes. and how far it could travel yes. and, and, how, and all that stuff. And that stuff kept changing over time. The six foot came from that. Then right. we hear a week or two ago... That again, out of China, well, six feet might not be enough. It might have to be 13 feet. <laughs> might have to be 13 feet. Now, nobody's jumped on the 13-foot bandwagon yet. Thankfully. But... Hope the governor's not listening to our program. But but you're right. Ideas. The, the six-foot wasn't based on science. It was based on how far could somebody project mucus... Yes. And with the likelihood of hitting another person... Where would it? And they they estimated that it could land three to four feet. So add another two feet to it, and we have six. Right. And again, you know, I keep going back to this because there are so many comparisons. It's not identical, I know, 
But when you're talking about any virus, the flu is the thing that people most can relate to. Most people have had the flu or flu-like symptoms or something like that. And that's that's how they can, you know, all these things that we're doing are good things for keeping you healthy 24-7. But that does not mean they have to be mandated until the end of time. And that's what you're saying. 547-1610-509-547-1610. If you'd like to join the conversation. You know, we did some research. Yeah, we do that on occasion we, here. We, we do that from time to time. And, and we looked up pandemics. And we looked up the worst pandemics in human history. Mm. There have been a few. There, 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 there have been a couple. Now, granted, uh, the most recent, the most recent pandemic um, that that made the list was 1918 swine flu. Uh, yes. Okay. That was that was not number one. No, no, not no. the worst pandemic in world history. No, but most recent. Okay. Number five on the list. Five million lives worldwide gone. Yeah. And it was a plague that happened between 580 and 600 AD. Okay. Okay, 5 million. Okay, that was way before penicillin. Yeah. Way before penicillin. And, and back then, 5 million people was a ton. That's a lot of people. 1918, we didn't have penicillin. Right. Okay, so that was gone. So we, we didn't have anything, really. And I say penicillin because that was the first major drug that was created to treat issues and problems. Mm-hmm. The, the worldwide death toll, and please, I'm not minimizing this in any way, shape, or form. I'm using it as a comparison only. 216,857 worldwide. About a quarter of a million. Quarter, not even. Not even a quarter of a million. A quarter of a million would be 250,000. Yeah. A little bit less than a quarter of a million. Yeah. Okay. But it, again, you know me, and, I like, yeah, the, I like and, to round and, up. In that range, you know, but, so I'm not minimizing at all, but worldwide, the reaction that we have had to this, and, and I shouldn't say worldwide because some countries have, have not, not gone the same route that others as far as restricting this, mm-hmm. but worldwide, knowing that different mitigation strategies have been used in different countries around the globe, 216,857. Now, that's 216,857 too many. Sure. But when we talk about the response in some ways to this, now, could it have been more? Sure, it could have been. Could it have been less? Yes, it could have been. No, nobody's, no, yeah, I mean, that's all, that's all for discussion tables and water coolers and this program and, and all that other stuff. But when we put it in scale with, with the worst events, illness-wise, pandemic-wise, that have happened, We've reacted to this like it's the worst thing we've ever seen. And we have seen significantly worse in human history. So we're going to get through this. We're going to learn from this. We're going to develop treatments for this. I hope we learn from this. Well, we're going to develop treatments for this. And if we do get COVID-19, SARS-2, back again at some point in time, we would certainly hope that we would have less than what we currently have or what the numbers wind up being. With that said, there's also the aspect to consider about elements of population. 
What's the population of high risk going to be? Greater or smaller? Those are all things that factor in. And if you look at this, and at the time that it hit, the baby boomers are all in the high-risk population. They're all in that high-risk population. And that's one of the largest populations that we have in the United States, is the baby boomers. Mm -hmm. So if this were to come around again, if this were to have come 25 years ago, if if this were to have come 30 years from now, would we have the same result? Or would we have less of a high-risk pop? We don't know. We don't have any of the answers to those questions. But the way that this has been discussed and talked about, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. And we have seen and survived as a culture and as a society, as a race. We have survived worse than what we're dealing with now. That's got to count for something in how we frame our minds in looking at where we are and where the end of the tunnel could possibly be. All we're looking to do is continue to try and give some positive thing when there's a lot of frustrated people out there. And you can do the research and the numbers for yourself. We did. Let's take a quick time out. Back to wrap up Bottom Line, News Radio 610 KONA for your Tuesday afternoon. Bottom line on Twitter at Bottom Line 610. Now, back to the show presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Final few minutes here on the program. If you'd like to join in, 547-1610 is the number. I want to mention if you are uh, a client of American Family Insurance, you may want to check Jason Hogue's website. He's the only American Star Certified agent in the Tri-Cities with American Family Insurance. It's jasonhogue.com. Find out if you are a client, if you are going to receive, if you're eligible to receive a reimbursement on your auto insurance. American Family Insurance the first insurance company to announce that they were going to give back to their clients because there's less traffic on the roadways, less accidents on the roadways, and therefore they're rewarding their clients. So visit jasonhogue.com, find out if you qualify, and while you're at it, take a look at what American Family Insurance has to offer. They've got a big umbrella with business insurance, auto, homeowners, life, farm insurance, Check out his website, jasonhogue.com with American Family Insurance. Going to the phones, you're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K&A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, Adrian. I uh, just was just getting home, and uh, it's been a while. Somebody was talking about the masks, and I wondered, if, did they um, get across that all masks are not the same? Oh, all masks are certainly not the same. Not yeah, in I any mean, way, shape, or form. I'm, I kind of wonder if a lot of people realize the yellow and blue ones really don't block viruses at all. Nope, they don't. The N, the N95, and even some have said the N95 isn't as completely of a, as effective against this as it could be. Uh, many people that have done homemade masks have made them out of uh, denser fabrics. They say cotton, uh, along with a couple of other materials, are actually good at catching and, and minimizing uh, the ability for it to move through. But anything that you can have on the outside that has some kind of a... Um, I don't know if waterproofing is is the right term, but something that's got some kind of a moisture shield 
that prevents any kind of wetness from locking into the mask or absorbing into the mask is something that is uh, certainly recommended or suggested. Um, you know, and at the same time, there there are a number of people out there that uh, aren't necessarily using masks. That um, yeah, you, and you can see it wherever you go. Yeah, I, I don't use one. No, I, I, I don't either. I don't use a mask. I I don't. I mean, I don't go a lot of places. You know, and 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 quite honestly, it would be a little difficult to talk. It would be. It'd be a little tough. <laughs> So it, yeah. it really wouldn't work. It wouldn't work too well for us no. um, in, in in our line of work to wear a mask. But at the same time, I'm, I don't go. I don't. I don't gallivant. So I don't. You know, I go home. It's, it's the wife. And <laughs> I can't imagine you gallivanting anyway. Let's gallivant during a pandemic. Why don't we? <laughs> well, I, you know, I I recently uh, went to my doctor's office, and uh, they've got protocols in place that I'm I'm sure much uh, many of the other. Um, hospitals and and care facilities do, you know, at the at the front, they check my temperature, asked if I've been around people with COVID, if I have exhibited symptoms, blah blah blah, and um, you know, took some vitals and and I was good to go. Um, you know, stuff like that. I could, you know, I don't see why we couldn't get rid of that. Anytime soon. You know, there are some things that do make practical sense that are going on. That's one of them. If you're going to go into a long-term care facility, if you're visiting a relative in there, you know, you get screened. Um, Okay. You know, that's probably a good idea, like in the winter months anyway, when we're dealing with all kinds of other viruses, the flu and, and everything else. So some of these things, I think, I, I don't know that I've had I would have a problem some of these things continuing on, but not not the the hardcore restrictions. I mean, look, it, one of one of the one of the callers earlier said that we are not made for this. You know, we need human contact. Most people, some don't. Some would be very fine being a, a hermit, but most of us need the human contact. We need to socialize we need to interact it's 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 in our dna so that's why a lot of people are going crazy right now even after a few weeks a few months depending on what part of the country you're in and that's why people want to get back to normal and don't first i gotta say this rob i know we're running out of time don't accept the current situation as the new normal don't do it don't accept this as the new normal Absolutely. And they win. You can be cautious. You can be sensible, smart about things. Do not accept this as a new normal. Makes me want to throw up in my mouth whenever I hear it. We all still have an aspect of our inner four-year-old. And that inner four-year-old is we don't like being constantly told what to do. We get to a point that we say... I'm still four years old in that Yes. <laughs> in that we respect. all, at some point in time, we're all going to say, no, I'm done. And I think many people are getting to that point. So hopefully the governor's got good news Friday.